0: Kurt, um, am I all set, um, the Lord bless y'all, God bless y'all, thank you, Kurt, for the introduction, and before I continue speaking, I would like to elevate a prayer before anything. Father, I give you thanks for your goodness, Lord, and I give you thanks, God, that you have allowed me to speak of your word, oh, Lord, I don't feel worthy to speak of your word. But it feels good to speak of your word, Lord, because it's the good news, Lord, that saved me, Lord, a sinner like me. And I just ask, Lord, that your name be glorified, as it is always. I ask, Lord, that I may be a blessing to everybody who's here. And I ask, Lord, that it does bring unity, that your word does bring unity through the love that has been poured out in our hearts for you. And that when we leave here, Lord, we be different. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Today I would like to speak about the glory of God. When I spoke with Kurt, <laughs> Kurt told me um said you don't have to worry. You could just speak something like you know, your testimony and all that and I I didn't feel like bothering you too much with my testimony too much and I really didn't have anything else much to speak about because in these Last few weeks, the Lord really has been working on me with the glory of God, just really cherishing him and loving him. So I want to speak today basically about all for the glory of God, all for the glory of God. I hope I didn't rattle Kurt by changing from going there, but all for the glory of God. And the reasons for the message are four. And... Just listen to them if you want, you can write them down however it it pleases you. Number one, it's the truth, simply because it's the truth. I want to speak about all for the glory of God because it's the truth. It's everywhere in the Bible, it's everywhere in the natural world, and it's everywhere in common sense. It's the truth. That is, in dealing with reality, it is really real. Pertaining to reality, it is absolutely true. That all is for the glory of God Reason number two in strike of idolatry That is that this truth is diametrically opposite to idolatry And it shatters it So reason number two is It shatters idolatry It shows that idolatry has no place Especially in the local congregation of a church That glorifies God Because it's completely opposite to idolatry Reason number three, the satisfaction of it. That is, it is fulfilling, consoling, and completely satisfying. So reason number three for me to be speaking about all for the glory of God is that it's completely satisfying. It fills the heart. It's completely consoling, fulfilling, and it is what we need. And reason number four is the results of it. That is, the consequences of understanding this truth is immensely and positively great. So those are the four reasons that I want to speak about all for the glory of God or there may be other reasons but those are four reasons for this message if you needed a reason for as to why this message. It is again, it's the truth and strike of idolatry, the satisfaction of it and the results of it. The results of it. Point number one, that is true. That it is true that all is for the glory of God is perfectly clear, reasonably concluded, and beyond a doubt provable by looking at scripture. And I just want to say this I have this written down, and I just want to say this before reading a few verses. God was completely complete, absolutely absolute, perfectly perfect, fully full, and lacking lack by himself. So it is true just because of that. All is for the glory of God because God. Needed absolutely nothing. He was complete in himself. He was balanced in himself. And he needed absolutely nothing from creation. And because of that, we can reasonably conclude that all is for the glory of God. He didn't need nothing. But if we have to read a few verses, I would please ask you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 17, verses 24. Acts chapter 17. <coughs> Verses 24 and 25. And it reads like this. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temple made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And I would like to go quickly into Romans 11.35. Romans 11.35. I'll read it from verse 34 for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him and one last one I just want to Job 38 verse 4 I believe so Job 38 verse 4 Where were you, the Lord speaking, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. So in point number one, as to the the reason of the message, why the message, all for the glory of God, is because simply it's true. It's true. And since we are lovers of truth, we ought to speak the truth. It's, It's true that all is for the glory of God because through these verses we see that nobody was there with God. Before the creation of creation, nobody was there with God. He didn't need nothing from nobody or, or anything for that matter. And so it's reasonable to conclude and it's obvious that if he created something, it has to be simply because he is glorified by it. Not because he needs anything from it, but because he's glorified by it. And that's what it says in Acts chapter 17, that he doesn't need anything from us. He's glorified body, he's not missing anything in him. And one, one thing that I love much about the teaching of the Trinity is that when I speak to a Muslim or when I speak to Jewish people who deny the Trinity, which I haven't really spoken much to Jewish people who deny the Trinity, sounds good though, right? But, <laughs> but when, I, when I speak about this, since I'm in school and I have a philosophy class, they say, when they, start, when they start speaking about Trinity and try to ridicule the Trinity, I say you got to understand that in the Trinity is found the only supreme being that when he says he's love, he can actually say so and be not contradictory because he's always been loving the Son and the Holy Spirit before creation. Before creation, God was love. He didn't come into love when He created, but He always has been loving, and He has been loving His Son in eternity past. And the reason that I said that is because it's necessary that we know that God is absolutely, completely complete in and of Himself, and He needs nothing outside of Himself to be complete. And if that is true, then the question is, why create? Why create? If God is absolutely perfect and needing nothing of creation before creation, Why create? Why create? And I would just like to read Romans 11.36. There's going to be a few um, reading of the verses, Bible verses, but I don't think I have a problem with that in this church. Romans 11.36. We read verses 34 and 35 earlier. But if he is absolutely perfect in himself and needing nothing. Why then create? Why then create? And I will submit to you this verse. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. And Colossians 116 reads, and I'll just read it fastly because time's sake. Colossians 116 reads like this. Give me one second. Pages got stuck. It says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And I had one in Hebrews, but for time's purpose, I'll just read in Proverbs. Proverbs 16 4. It says it blatantly and it says it clear as to why God created if he was completely complete by himself. The Lord has made all for himself. Again, the Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. So, reason for the message is simply because it's true, and it has to be true, because we see that God is absolutely perfect in and of himself, We see that he doesn't need nothing from creation. The reason that I say this is because sometimes we tend to think that God needs something from us, and it tends to take away glory from him, and he doesn't need anything from us. He's absolutely perfect in and of himself. And the reason that he created that, the universe, is because he wanted to glorify himself, and we need to know that, that we may glorify him. We need to know what is his purpose, what is his end in creating everything. And he wanted to glorify himself, not only in creation, but even when he deals with human affairs, even in the providence of his rule. And we can see that in Isaiah 48:11. and I'm going to continue this way. In Isaiah 48:11. before I can continue speaking, I just want to go through a few verses. Isaiah 48, 11, and, and I'm sorry, I just have to read them fastly. For my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. For how should my name be profaned? And I will not give my glory to another. And Isaiah 43, verse 6 says, along the same lines, it says, Isaiah 43, verse 6 says, along the same lines, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them. Bring back my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. And also Isaiah 60, Isaiah 60 verse 21 is all along the same lines. And I don't have to continue reading all of them, but they all say the same thing. Also your people shall be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the works of my hands that I may be glorified. So in creation we see and it's obvious because when God created and let there be light or in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the first thing that should pop up in your mind is why. And if he had the power to create then he has to be completely self-existent, self-sufficient and needing nothing. And then even in the Bible it's absolutely clear that when God deals with the human affairs, when God is dealing with what we see even on the news, God is glorifying himself and he allows things to happen and he does things in the believer's life ultimately for his glory. And again, I'm not going to get to the reason practically to us until we get to the satisfaction, but I would like to get to a few more verses. Even in salvation, is all for God's glory. Even salvation has to do with the glory of God. We know that God is love. We know that God came down to save us, but why? We wouldn't dare to say that we was deserving of it, right? So why? And again, I would submit to you that it has to do with the glory of God. And I would like to read Ephesians 1.5. Ephesians 1.5. Having predestined us to, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted and beloved. In the beloved. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. To the praise and glory of his grace. John 17:10. John 17:10. That is John 17, 10. reads like this. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am glorified in them. 2 Thessalonians 1, 10. 2 Thessalonians 1, 10. When he comes, that is our Christ, who we are waiting for and we cherish in and desire earnestly for his coming when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed, and to be admired, to be glorified and to be admired. So he's coming, yes, and we can't wait for that day, and he's coming to get us, yes, but he's coming to be glorified and to be admired by those who he's coming to get but nevertheless to be admired by them. In verses 11 and 12 in that same chapter says, Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God will count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in, in you and you and him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when it says, and you in him, and that you may also be glorified in him. You must understand that when we do something and we're being glorified, or when God glorifies our body in that day, ultimately, it's even still for his glory. So God shares his glory with nobody, but when he glorifies us, ultimately, it's for his glory. It's for his glory. And on that same, it being the truth, and we're seeing it clearly in the Bible that all is for the glory of God, not only creation and providence shows us and even salvation that all is for the glory of God. I will submit to, I know this is Sunday evening and uh, usually the people who are here are already believers, but if there's somebody here who's not a believer, I will submit to you that even those who do not believe God will glorify God and God will not lose glory. According to Philippians 2, verses 6 on forward, we read, <clears throat> oh, i read it from verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, giving him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Absolutely everybody who, has, who is existing and who, ha, who will exist and who has ever existed will glorify God, Christians, believers, or non-believers. So I would submit to anybody, if anybody here is not a believer, that... All is for the glory of God, and since God created you, you should desire to glorify God, but nevertheless, you will glorify God because all is to the glory of God. And I would like to say something that a preacher said, and I wrote it down. It says, <clears throat> some will bow because of the grace that has been given to them, and others will bow because their kneecaps will be broken by the one who rules the nations by the rod, with a rod of iron. So absolutely everybody will glorify God. Absolutely everybody will glorify God. And on that same note, Revelations chapter 14. Revelations chapter 14. Verses 9 to 11. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which has poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. And what I want to emphasize is that the smoke of the torment ascends forever and ever, and when we read the Old Testament... You know, we know clearly what that brings to mind. It clearly brings to mind the sacrifices that were a pleasing aroma to God. And it's not that God desires the, the death of the wicked, but it's that God is just. And even if you will not turn to God when he's clearly offering you salvation, he still will be glorified in you through his justice. So it's absolutely true that God, that God is doing all for his glory, so that is one of the reasons why I wanted to speak about this, because it's true, and we ought to speak the truth, it's clearly in the Bible, that God is doing everything for his glory, and I absolutely have no problem with that, but as we see further, I don't think you will have it neither, but I would like to read another quote, and I would submit to anybody who's interested in knowing about the glory of God, or reading about on this subject systematically, to read um, Jonathan Edwards' dissertation on this subject, it really helped me a lot, and I'll just read a brief statement or part of his dissertation. And it said, when God is often spoken of as the last as well as the first, the end as well as the beginning, it is implied that as he is the first efficient cause and fountain from whence all things originate, so he is the last final cause for which they are made, the final term to which they all tend their ultimate issue. So when it says that he's alpha and omega, the beginning and the end the first and the last he's the reason for what for he's the reason for the existence of everything and he's the end for the existence of everything and it makes sense because when he says that he's the end well we're going to live with him forever and we're not going to die so in that sense he wouldn't actually be the last we'll be with him forever but in what sense is he the end that absolutely everything is for his glory that's how that's how that absolutely everything it's for his glory. So it's true that everything is for the glory of God. And another reason that I wanted to speak about all for the glory of God is to strike idolatry, or in other words, in strike of idolatry, in strike of idolatry. If we can read 1 Corinthians 4, 7. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Try to Try to read it. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 reads like this. <clears throat> For who makes you different, differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast? And that's the word that I'm referring to. Why do you boast as if you had not received it? So Paul is submitting to them. Everything that we have is from God. So why would you even boast? And that's what I'm saying. To know that everything is for the glory of God ought to shatter any kind of boasting. It ought to destroy any kind of reason for you to puff up your chest or to look at any non-believer or believer in the church like if he's lower than you, like if God didn't give you what it is that you have. All is for the glory of God, not chores. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, we all know this one. Whatever we do, let's do it for the glory of God. Let me read it. Says. it. Therefore whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God and that is not saying that since Jesus Christ died for us you know what we should do now is give glory to give glory to God. I mean we ought to give glory to God for what he did for us but it's not saying that our giving to the glory of God is just because you know we're just being loyal to God. No, it's saying that we ought to give glory to God because God deserves the glory because everything is for the glory of God. Not because we are doing it out of an act of loyalty and because you know it just follows that since he died for us, we ought to give the glory of God. No, it just follows that because he created everything, we ought to give the glory of God. And we just thank God that because he died for us and he opened up our eyes, we can give the glory of God willingly, willingly. So it is obvious that if we did not get anything from ourselves but from God, we ought to give him the glory. And the reason that, I wanted to sp- speak a little bit about the glory of God. I go to Northern Essex Community College, and <clears throat> I met this um, young girl who's, well, I'm young too, but she's, <laughs> yeah, I guess when you get on the pulpit, you start to feel older or something. But uh, she's, um, her name is, well, forget her name, but she goes to Northern Essex for me, and she's a Christian, she's a believer. She goes to some church in my my city, my town, Lawrence. And, um, Remember when the earthquake, did y'all feel it? Well, I, over there in Lawrence, we felt the earthquake. I was actually in school when, when it shook the other day. And when I saw her, she said, oh, my God, that the Lord could come. Because, you know, believers, as soon as something like that happens, we quickly thinking about the Lord. And I don't blame As a matter of fact, I took advantage of that to say to somebody next to me, you see how quickly life could end? Because, you know, I'm trying to preach. I want him to see how quickly life could end. It can end. It, it was just a regular shake in that moment. But in the future, it could be something destructive, right? But she told me something that at the beginning, I really didn't get bothered. But when I thought about it, I did get bothered. And she told me, you know, wow, Jesus Christ could come. But, you know, I got kind of sad because I was like, I'm not going to be able to get married and to have kids. And we might innocently laugh about that. But when I thought about it, I got absolutely bothered because that, that, that does not go in line with scripture at all. Everything is for the glory of God and a Christian ought to absolutely desire the glory of God. As a matter of fact, it's it's impossible for Paul to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain with that kind of attitude. Everything in Paul, his desire was God, the glory of God. Everything in creation, their desire is the glory of God and they can't wait for the manifestation and the glory of the saints so that God could let them loose and the glory of God could be completely revealed in nature. Everything is for the absolute glory of God. Everything is for the absolute glory of God. And so I would submit to you that for the shattering of idolatry, it is absolutely necessary to know that everything is for the glory of God. We can't break idolatry. It is not only an image. It's the way that we live. Sometimes we think about the Roman Catholics and the way that They bow before those statues, but our everyday lives ought to to show that idolatry is something wrong. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is to know that everything is for the glory of God. i like to read this quote from The City of God. I believe that's what it's called, right? The City of God, Augustine. Yeah, The City of God. A little part of it. And Augustine says, Accordingly, two cities have been formed by two loves. The earthly by the love of self even to the contempt of God. The heavenly by the love of God, even to the contempt of self. The former in a word glories in itself, the latter in the Lord. For the one seeks the glory from men, but the greatest glory of the other is God, the witness of conscience. The one lifts up his head in its own glory, the other says, as the psalmist, and I put that in, to its God, thou art my glory and lifter up of mine head and lift her up of mine head. There's no in-betweens. It's either absolute loyalty, absolute giving of self to the glory of God or no glory of God in your mind as far as we're concerned. He's going to get it regardless, but in your mind as far as we're concerned, you can't be of self and God or God and self. You can only be of God or of self. And Jesus Christ is clear about that. He said, you can't serve two masters. You can only serve one. You either serve mammoth or you serve God. You either serve money or you serve God. So I would say that for the shattering of idolatry, um, all is for the glory of God is, is necessary for the shatter, shattering of idolatry. And it's not wrong. It is not wrong. It is not wrong that all is for the glory of God. There has to be somebody that's in the center. There has to be somebody that's on top of that stage. There has to be somebody who is in front of everybody. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be me? Trust me, you don't want that. I'll fail. And I'll cause a lot of hurt and pain, suffering and damage. And there will be no hope. Who's it going to be? If somebody's got to be in the center, if somebody's got to be the reason for the existence of everything else, who's it going to be? Is it going to be us who's full of hate, mistakes, failures, imperfections? Or is it going to be an all-knowing, almighty, self-existent, all-powerful, all-loving God? There has to be a center. And it's necessary for the shattering of idolatry and that God be that center. So it is true, and that's why it needs to be preached. It shatters idolatry, and that's why it needs to be preached. And there is satisfaction in knowing that everything is for the glory of God. For me, there is no greater satisfaction in knowing that everything is for the glory of God. And I would like to read Philippians 3, verses 4 to 7. <coughs> Philippians 3, verses 4 to 7. Paul, on a human standard, who had, according to the eyes of the world, reason to boast, says this, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church concerning perse- sorry concerning zeal persecuting the church concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless but what things were gained to me these I have counted loss for Christ yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ there's that there's no way Unless God is glorious, that Paul can say this. If God is not glorious, there's no way that Paul can say this. You mean to leave absolutely all these titles, all this reputation, consider it as rubbish, for what? And That's why I don't agree with many who say that the pearl of great price, or the, the pearl yell of great price, is not really referring to Jesus because it makes it seem like it's not a gift. The Bible is clear that salvation is a gift. But it's, it's showing that he is a gift so precious and so special that we ought to give everything away for it. We ought to give our whole lives for it, and it's absolutely that worthy enough to give everything for it. And that's what Paul is saying. He considers everything rubbish for that glorious God, that glorious God. I also like to read Acts chapter five verses or verse 41. Acts chapter 5, verse 41, <clears throat> and I won't be able to get to the results, it seems, but I would like to finish at least the satisfaction. Acts chapter 5, verse 41, <clears throat> it says, So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing, Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. How can you rejoice because you're suffering? You can rejoice when you are suffering for that name because that name is so precious and glorious that if you even have anything to do with it, whether it be suffering, is 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 a reason to rejoice. If you have anything to the giving of that glory, you should rejoice. It's that glorious. God is that glorious. That you should rejoice even when you suffer for him. So there's satisfaction in it. And I would submit that or or please desire you to or ask you to look into the glory of God if you don't feel that way as a believer. And I think many believers don't feel that way. Sometimes I know parents ought to, you know, worry about, their children and what they are doing—that they're not being lazy. But sometimes I get a little bothered when I see, always, not sometimes, but always, fathers always telling the son, always speaking about speaking to them about careers, but never about God. Like, are you designed to go to Africa and do a mission? But it's always about I want him to be a lawyer. I want him to be. There. As a matter of fact, um, Pastor Dan, I heard him one time when I was sitting there say about somebody who said he wouldn't send his son, a believer, to this school because he had a desire for his son to be successful in life, to be successful in life, What's the glory of God in that. If I have a child, in which I don't, I hope that his success as far as careers go is not first to the glory of God. It's not first to the glory of God. And that if I see that there's something in him that might be prosperous for the advancement of the gospel, whether it be the gift of preaching or he's just a tough cookie and he's willing to go to Africa, even though he has a prosperous future ahead of him here, I would send him. I would send him because God is absolutely glorious and everything ought to be for the glory of God. And so reason, because God is glorious It's true, it's so, so it should be spoken about. It should be spoken about, it should be understood because it shatters idolatry in other people's lives and in our own, and in our own. Why are we doing what it is that we're doing? And we shouldn't be doing everything to the glory of God because we're doing him a favor, but rather because he deserves the glory. Not because we're being loyal to him, it's because that's the way it just ought to be. And that's it. And um, to finish, I would just like to read this quote. And the reason that I'm quoting him, I like him, and the reason that I feel free to quote him is because I've heard Pastor Dan Trapiana quote him here, too, so. And that's Dr. John Piper, and it's about, but if it's absolutely everything for the glory of God, then how is that, that Jesus Christ died for the glory of God, for us to be saved, yes, but for the end of being for the glory of God, how is that, how is that, you know, satisfying how is that to bring us joy isn't that selfish and I would just like to read this in response to that and that is the passion of Jesus Christ did not merely precede the crown it was the price and the crown was the prize he died to have it many people stumble at this point how can Jesus be motivated to give us joy if he is motivated to get his glory most of us have grown up thinking that being loved means being made much of, but we know better. Even before we come to the Bible, we know this is not so. Our happiest moments have not been self-saturated moments, but self-forgetful moments. There have been times when we stood beside the Grand Canyon, or at the foot of Mount Kilimanjaro, or viewed a stunning sunset over the Sahara, and for a fleeting moment, felt the joy of sheer wonder. This is what we were made for. Paradise will not be a hall of mirrors. It will be a display of majesty, and it won't be ours. This means that to love us, Jesus must must seek the fullness of his glory and offer it to us for our enjoyment. That is why he prayed the night before he died. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory, to see my glory. And so, no, it's not bad news that God is seeking his glory. One of God's glorious um, actions or, or demonstrations or manifestations is dying on the cross for us. that's what He considers glory. if God that's what you consider glory, then I'm all for that kind of glory. God is a, a all-loving God, and when he glorifies himself, he will glorify himself in a loving way for the believers, but it's absolutely for His glory. It's just that he's love. it's just that he's love. and the results of that God glorifying himself is us being saved, is us being saved. Why do you think Jesus Christ died for us, you might say, to save us? Yeah, but why? Like I asked earlier, but why? Was there something in us? Was God looking at us when he was going to save us? Did he find something, anything good in us to save us? If God would have kept his eyes on us when he was going to save us, there would be no reason for him to save us, rather to condemn us. If God is going to save us, we need to look into himself because he is all love. And that's where unconditional love comes from. So we ought to live all for the glory of God because if it wasn't for the glory of God, we wouldn't be saved. And so I submit to you, let's live for the glory of God. Let's live for the glory of God. And everything we do, even for the, our children, the way we speak to them, our goals for them, for the glory of God, for the glory of God. Father, I give you thanks for the opportunity to to speak of your glory your glory is great we add nothing to your glory but we thank you that in your love you have desired that we see your glory O oh christ and i just ask O oh father that we can see your glory today and that we can see your glory tomorrow and that we can see your glory in the mission fields and even in our homes that you glorify yourself even in my mom oh lord That you save my mom for the glory of your name, oh Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.